We're so glad that you're listening to the Branches Podcast. If you're in the Houston area, we'd love to see you in person at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more information, go to brancheshtx.org. We hope this message helps you draw closer to God and that you hear the good news that you belong. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Carl. Y'all can be seated. Uh, Friends, it's good to be with you this morning. Like Carl said, we're starting a new series today called Crowded Table. And we're looking at places in uh, the Gospels, in these biographies about Jesus, where Jesus was at the table with people and drew people to himself, was a person of welcome, of invitation, of drawing people in and making the circle wider and making sure there was a seat for everyone, even those who would betray him, even those who didn't want anything to do with him, even those that judged him and said things, uh, mean things about him and, and it ultimately led him to the cross. He held a table for them. We celebrate that every week when we come to this table, a reminder that no matter where we've been or what we've done or who we are, God invites us to this table. We come with open hands to receive it. So we're going to hear from uh, Matthew's gospel today, the story of Jesus eating at the table uh, with some maybe deviant people, we might say. So hear this from Matthew's gospel in chapter 9. It says this, As Jesus sat down to eat, In Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners joined Jesus and his disciples at the table. But when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. Go and learn what this means. I want mercy, not sacrifice. I didn't come to call righteous people, but sinners. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, we thank you for that open, wide invitation to sit and eat with you. Open our ears to hear that invitation today so we could come to you. And more than that, when we leave this place today, we can tell others what we've experienced here, who you are, what you're like, and that you've made a seat for every person and you're calling them to yourself. Make us living invitations of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, I want to give you another opportunity to check in if you haven't gotten a chance. I'll have the QR code up there, and there's ones on the floor too. But I uh, just want to say thank you for being here today. Post-holidays, it's so fun to see people uh, coming into worship, especially in this new community. We're just a few months old, and so to see each one of you here in this place today means a lot to me and to the team. And when you check in, it's just an opportunity for us to check in with you and to let you know how happy we were that you're with us in worship today. Before I start, uh, I want to issue a public apology On Christmas Eve, and we even posted the clip of this, I talked about a movie, um, Glass Onion, Netflix. Anybody watched it yet? It's rad. It's really, really good. I finally watched it, and I I made a huge mistake, uh, and I was called out on the mistake. And I see people nodding in here because you were the people that (laughs) called me out on the mistake. uh, That I called Benoit Blanc, Daniel Craig's character, French. Uh, and his name is French, but he's not French. He's like Cajun, Southern. And I've seen, I've seen the first one, Knives Out, like half a dozen times. It just like with this thing that came out. And believe me, uh, I beat myself up about it. Uh, Landon, my wife, she beat me up a little bit too. <laughs> uh, and it was just one of those things. Like I was just talking and I was excited and it came out. But I know I made a huge mistake. My friend Schuler, who's also a pastor, he said, more than that, you missed a golden opportunity uh, to do your impression of him. Uh, I will... 
forfeit that opportunity again, and I'll keep I'll keep workshopping it. You know, I have oh yeah, some booze. All right. Well, now I'm going to do an impression of you. Watch out. Uh, <laughs> and so I just want to issue that apology. But as I was as I was thinking about that and kind of you know people would say like, hey, I just want to talk to you about your Christmas Eve sermon. I'm like, if you mention that thing again <laughs> one more time, I know I know I messed up. I wondered about you know there's kind of a spectrum here. Are you are you harder on yourself? than you are other people. If, they, if someone else made that mistake, say that Michelle or, or Katie or Tom was preaching the sermon and they made that mistake, I kind of mined the depths of my own judgmental spirit and thought I would probably call them out too, you know? <laughs> and I'd probably give them a harder time than other people gave me, you know? Uh, do you give other people a harder time than you give yourself? And, and I have to be perfectly honest, like, I'm the person that gives the other person a harder time than I would give myself. Like, I'm pretty quick to, you know, last week uh, at brunches, Michelle talked about being gentle on yourself. Like, there are times when I'm, like, really a pro at that. Like, I'll make a huge mistake and be like, nah, no big deal. But if somebody else did it, I'd be like, how dare you, you know? And, and I think it's just kind of this human inclination. Um, there were these things before, before we started, you know, sharing screenshots of tweets and memes and stuff. They were called some e-cards, and there's little illustrations. And there's this one for me that's just like looking into the mirror. Cancel all my meetings. Someone on the internet is wrong. Uh, it just speaks to a deep part of who I am. Um, Landon will sometimes look over, like we're in the living room or something, and she's doing her thing, and I'm doing my thing. I'm like frantically on my phone or on my computer. She's like... Colin's arguing on the internet again, <laughs> you know, somebody's wrong, because I'm, I'm harder on other people than I am on myself. Tim Keller is a pastor, a retired pastor in New York City, and he says, uh, this is what religion is, like in a negative sense. Religion is this way that we divide one another, like there's wrong people, and there's right people, and even when I'm wrong, which is rare, uh, I'm easier on myself than I am on other people when they're wrong. And so we divide people. Maybe it's not about being right or wrong in your opinions. Maybe it's about maybe superficial things like how you dress and how you look or what neighborhood you live in or where you're from or something like that. And we divide people, like people who are worthy and unworthy. That's kind of an extreme example. Or people who are in and people who are out. People who are invited and people who are disinvited. People who are religious and people who are non-religious. People that God is close to and people that God is distant from. And I described this in extremes, uh, but I think most of us have been there, and that's what Tim Keller says religion is. And it kind of struck me, you know, that maybe maybe that's what it is. When we see it in the text today, I and mean, maybe we see it all over the New Testament, that oftentimes the religious people that Jesus talked to, their mistake, the, the, the thing that they're doing, the thing that Jesus calls them out about is they're making these categorizations. A few months ago we talked about, you know, lost and found and kind of this understanding that to be lost isn't necessarily a negative thing. To be lost means that someone is looking for you. That's how Jesus describes it. And so we make these categorizations. And I, as I was mining this, I kind of thought to myself, I don't do that. And then I realized in saying that and thinking that, I was doing that, <laughs> you know? Uh, I, I don't categorize people. Other people categorize other people. Ah, internal contradiction, <laughs> you know? Uh, by saying I don't categorize other people, I, in fact, do. That's something other people do. And so 
we read the story today, and as we think about this series about Jesus inviting people to the table and what it does when he invites people to the table, what it does to us when we come to this table, we think about the future, this, this future table, this great heavenly banquet, this feast that people that are, believe in Jesus think that they will enjoy. We think about what Jesus offers at the table. What is he even inviting us to? So just really kind of beautiful thing that Jesus does in this really compact way that these religious people, these Pharisees, have overseen him um, calling people, and not calling people seems kind of arbitrary, like there's fishermen and there's tax collectors and there's zealots and there's men and women and there's rich and poor, and even on their political spectrum in the first century, there's left and right and there's powerful and there's powerless, and Jesus calls a variety of them to be with him. And after he calls this one guy, Matthew, supposedly the author of this biography, we find him sitting at the table. And it says this, that as he's eating at Matthew's house, this guy he's just called, notice he didn't say, Matthew, can I come over to eat? He's like, hey, follow me, and also meal, please, you know? They go over to his house. And, and just so you know, in the first century, a meal was an intimate place. It wasn't just any old thing. It wasn't like sitting down at like a Japanese steakhouse and like maybe you're going to sit with strangers and you just kind of like, oh, that's okay. Like to sit at the table with somebody was maybe even like an affirmation of that person, an attention to that person, a drawing in of that person. And so it was scandalous then for Jesus to be eating at a table, not with the powerful and the important, but as it says here, tax collectors and this broad brush category, sinners, Tax collectors first. These were like rebellious people. These were the people that had um, kind of uh, betrayed their own people to collect the taxes of the ones who were being oppressed by the Roman government. Jesus is eating with traitors, the Pharisees think. They see him, he's eating with traitors. And then this catch-all term, sinners, and it has a variety of translations, but for the most part, it means like people that are off the beaten path like people that are deviant, people that don't look like everybody else or, or aren't from the same place as anybody else. They do this to Jesus too. So like, what good can come from Nazareth? Like he's from some backwater town. Think of sinners that way, that these people are drawn to Jesus and the Pharisees, these important pompous religious people, look at Jesus and they're like, he's an intimate fellowship with them, with others. They're not like us. They're other than we are. They're different than we are. We've categorized them, and that's what religion calls us to do. We follow the feasts and the rituals. They don't. They know what God wants. We know what God wants. They don't. We're important. They're unimportant. We're part of God's family. They're not part of God's family, however you want to slice it. Jesus uh, does what he often does. He kind of does this like judo move. If you know anything about judo, this martial art, it's not about brute force. It's about leveraging the skill and the power of your opponent against them. So Jesus, in that moment, their, their, their proclivity, like all of us, to categorize people, he takes their category and he says this. He overhears them grumbling and complaining. He uses a metaphor. Healthy people don't need a doctor but sick people do. Go and learn what this means. I want mercy, not sacrifice. I didn't come to call righteous people, but sinners. The very people you think I shouldn't be eating with are the very people I am called and am here to eat with. You use this category, okay, I'll take it. Tax collectors and sinners, those are my people. The only way you can eat with me 
is to be a sinner. Or in other words, I only eat with sinners. I only eat with people who are off the beaten path. I only eat with people maybe who are hungry. I only eat with people who acknowledge that there's something missing or deficient in themselves. I only eat with people who have a longing and they want to fill that longing with something. I only eat with people who know that something is off and they want to share that with me. I only eat with sinners. Let me break that down a little bit. I mean, only, the word only in and of itself is exclusive. So on the surface, you're like, Jesus, you're just doing what they're doing, that you only eat with sinners. But in that same breath, in that one compact sentence, Jesus says, I only eat with sinners. And I can almost see Jesus looking at the Pharisees in the face and saying, I only eat with sinners. And there's an open seat next to him. Like, huh? (laughs) Like, (laughs) are you ready to admit your faults and flaws? Are you ready to admit that you're not as important as you think you are? Are you ready to admit that people don't think about you as much as you think about yourself? Are you ready to admit that there's something missing, that when you go home at night and you take all the the, um, uh, robes and everything off, that you're not just a broken, hurting, harmed person? I only eat with sinners. I only give medicine to sick people. I was thinking this week about the difference between my wife, Landon, and I is that if she's sick, uh, she's a little more quick to, like, tell a doc or go to the doctor or reach out to somebody to maybe know what medicine to get. I, like, want to white-knuckle it. Like, I'm fine. (laughs) Maybe I'll go to the doctor next week. And then by next week, I probably am fine, but I don't want to take the medicine. I don't want to deal with the complication of my insurance or going to see the doctor or paying for it, God forbid. And I think probably all of us are on that spectrum somewhere. Some of y'all, you kind of last to go to the doctor. Anybody like that in here? Like you'll wait and wait and wait and wait. And then, yes, I see some pointing fingers. (laughs) Categorizing people, Michael. (laughs) Uh, No, no, I I, I lifted the question up. Um, I I, I think about that, that, that inclination in us to say like, no, 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 I'm fine. I've, I've had this sickness before. I know it'll just take a week. I'd rather not deal with the doctor. I'd rather not have to go through the complication of our healthcare system. I'd rather not have to pay for it. I'd rather not have to drive. For me, living in Houston, it's like I'd rather not have to find a new doctor. I'd rather not have to figure that out. Especially during COVID, it's like, okay, I'm going to like send pictures to a strange doctor of my rash or something, and then over the phone, they're going to tell me what to do about it. I don't know. This is a hypothetical. I didn't have a rash during COVID. Uh, and so... So we have all, in all of us this kind of you know, a barrier, like why would I go to the doctor? Why would I go? And none of us, when we go to the doctor and they give you a flu test, for instance, and they say, yeah, you have the flu, here's what you need for it, none of us say, the doctor gave me the flu. <laughs> no, the doctor recognized that you came and you said there's something wrong and that you have the flu and that, that here's the cure for it. Jesus is saying, I only eat with sinners. I can only give cures to people who go to the doctor. I can only fill people who say I'm hungry and I have an appetite. I can only give a cure or or some antidote to their problem if they say I have a problem. I only eat with sinners. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. There's a table here for you with a seat wide open. It's not exclusive. It's massively inclusive. Will you come and sit at the table with me? I only eat with sinners. And the beautiful thing is once you take the seat, you've made the admission. (laughs) You've said, yeah, I'm hungry. Yeah, there's something off and I don't know what it is. And I looked at WebMD and I think I'm going to die tomorrow. And Jesus is like, no, 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 (laughs) no. I'm here for you. I care for you. I listen to you. I'm at the table with you. I've drawn you into a circle with myself and I long to be with you. 
God so much so wanting to be with us took on human flesh and every ailment and temptation that we ever feel Jesus felt and he sits at the table with that knowledge in his body in himself. So we get kind of two metaphors here. Uh, Maybe one works better for you than another. So that's helpful here is that maybe it's about being hungry. Maybe our desire to go to Jesus is recognizing like, yeah, I haven't eaten in a while. I need to eat. I need to be filled. Or maybe maybe the, the doctor in the sickness metaphor is like, yeah, I'm desperately sick. I feel shame and heartache and pain. I don't know where to go next. I don't know what the next step is. I'm, I'm hurting. I need a doctor. My wife Landon grew up on a street in East Dallas with three, uh, two other families, three families total, all of which had daughters, multiple daughters. So she had like a huge crowd of sisters. <laughs> and they're all still very close. And she also had three moms. <laughs> and they would play together, and they had all these wonderful, hilarious home movies, and they grew up together, and they're like tighter than some families are. It's remarkable. And when I heard about this family that Landon had by choice in her neighborhood, it was, I was really moved by it. It was like, wow, they, they still keep in touch. They still have a group text and talk, talk to each other and pray for each other and, and care for one another. I remember when I met one of Landon's other moms, Miss Bess. Uh, her mother, uh, Claire, Landon's friend, her mother, Bess, and then Bess's mother lived in Arkansas. Uh, the grandmother did. And I was going to school at the time uh, in Arkansas, in college, and I was invited to go to dinner to meet Miss Bess, that is Landon's other mom, and Bess's mom, uh, so Landon's friend, Claire, her grandma. It's a little complicated, but safe to say it was really important people to Landon's life, and we hadn't been dating that long, and I was terrified. I'm like, what if they don't like me? What if, you know, without Landon, uh, what are we going to talk about? Like, is it going to be awkward? Are they going to have fun? Are they going to grill me? Are they going to try to find out these things about me? Uh, are they going to tell her to break up with me? And I start to, like, you know, all these scenarios in my head. And I went, and they cooked, and it was, like, like marinated, kind of like salsa chicken or something. And we ate food, and we had a great time, and they were so nice and so sweet, and we laughed and talked. And Miss Bess kept getting portions of chicken for me. Um... And I was a college student, so I was like, yes, please. And then after the fifth one, I was like, I think I'm good, you know? And like kept like, are you sure you're done? Are you sure you're full? And kept bringing it, kept bringing it, kept bringing it. And uh, I left full and also relieved. They still like me as far as I know. <laughs> and, and Landon called me. She wasn't able to go. It was just me. And she was like, how was it? I think she was a little nervous too. And I was like, I'm full. And they like me, you know? That, that Miss Best just kept feeding me this, this food. I knew, like, she wouldn't invite me to the table and keep feeding me if she didn't like me, you know? And I kind of knew it in my body. And that's how I feel about this table, that Jesus invites us over and over again. He says, are you sure you're full? Are you sure you have enough? Are you sure you don't want more? Are you, are you, are you sure you think there's not enough for you? Because there is enough for you, and you can come, and you can come, and you can keep coming, and I like you, and I want to be near you, and I care for you, and I love you. That's moving to me, to remind me. And it's like this thing I tell people, like, God loves you, and then then you experience it at the table. And Jesus says, I come to call sinners, not righteous people. And the frustrating thing for me, when I I look at the church, when I look at the people that follow Jesus, they start to do the same dang thing that Jesus calls the Pharisees out for. They say, ah, I come to call uh, sinners, not righteous people. And then in that moment, they begin to categorize. Like, hey, sinner, Sunday's coming. Are you going to church? (laughs) 
Hey, sinner, have you prayed lately? Hey, sinner, I noticed that thing that you said, or I, I saw something that I didn't like about you. Hey, sinner, and we start to do the categorizing. I think, I think the, the, the simple thing, and maybe just the foundation uh, for this whole series, thinking about what it means to be at the table with Jesus, and not just be at the table but with others, open places, is just this, this invitation. Eat. <laughs> Eat. Jesus is, is offering you a place at the table to come eat and experience who he is in his fullness. Eat. Intimate relationship. Not like, would you want to go sit and not talk and sit on our phones? Well, like, eat and get to know each other. Jesus is inviting you to that. Or maybe that metaphor doesn't work for you. And maybe it's go to the doctor. <laughs> you've been sick long enough. You've been hurting long enough. You've noticed this thing is not quite right. Something is off. Go to the doctor. It's way less complicated than the real healthcare system is. It's way less expensive. Just go. <laughs> go to the doctor. And I think for, for both things, the biggest obstacle to it is us. Because we want to say, like, I don't need that. I'm full. <laughs> I don't need that. I know what I'm doing. I'm not sick. I'm doing great. I'm fine. Or if I go to the doctor, someone else will see me go to the doctor. If someone sees me be vulnerable and open myself and say like I need, I'm dependent, I need something from Jesus. It looks like weakness. I'm reminded that in Jesus' weakness there's strength. In Jesus' own brokenness there is power. In Jesus' own frailty he heals. In Jesus' self-emptying he fills us. In Jesus' own ailment, his own need to physically go to the doctor, he gave us new life. So go eat go to the doctor. And then and this is the thing then that, that just propels us forward too, is when you go eat and you experience this meal like Miss Bess gave me just over and over and over again, and there just seemed to be an uh, endless line of plates of chicken. <laughs> or when you go to the doctor and you think it was one thing, it was another thing, and you get the right antidote and it works and you start to feel better, then you don't have to force yourself to tell other people about it. You tell other people, hey, I was filled here. I was hungry and now I'm full. Or, hey, I have this ailment and I, you mentioned it to me also that maybe you feel this way. Jesus healed me of this. You don't have to try hard to invite. It just pours out of you. You notice people are hungry and you say, I know where to get fed. You see people who are sick and you say, I know where you can go to the doctor. You look at this Jesus person and you say, look, I know it seems like it's crowded over there, but there is a seat just for you. And I want to remind you, I've sh shared this before, and I think it's really important for us to remember because I get wrapped up in it too. Jesus' invitation to the table is just that. It's an invitation, not a threat. It's not come eat or else, or go to the doctor or else. It's come, see, taste, experience, hear, feel, love, come. That invitation is extended to you all the time. Rich Velotis is a, a pastor in New York, and he says, you know, in our, in our kind of spiritual life, that when we're praying, and I, I think a lot of us are probably trying to spark up these practices at the beginning of this year, and we start to pray, we get distracted. Do you guys get distracted when you pray? I do. And I'm praying, and then this thing just passes by, or this thing I'm supposed to do pops up, or this thing I'm hurting inside just comes to the surface. And it's like within a 10-minute span of prayer, I'm distracted and pulled away by a hundred things. Rich Veloda says that's a hundred opportunities to turn back. A hundred chances to turn around and say like, oops, <laughs> I'm hungry. 
oops, I, I, I'm hurting, I need you. And Jesus, every time, will say, look, this seat, this chair, this place where you can come is open and available all the time. I only eat with sinners. And that's not a dig on you. It's the beauty and the power and the love of Jesus that he wants to eat with each and every one of us, no matter how full or empty we are, no matter how healthy or frail we think we are, come. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for the invitation to come to the table. And that when we come, that you fill us up, that we can share who you are with everyone we encounter. That you're inviting every single person around us. Help us see others as you see them. As invitees, as guests, as loved ones, as friends, as family. Draw us closer to yourself that we might draw others closer to you. We ask all this in your name, and we thank you. Amen.